is Chelsea Higgs Wise. And I decided to start a show about being the biracial girl who was living her life, being half and half, never picking a side until one day the world informed me, girl, you're black. I'm from the listening to Race Capital on WRIR. This week we're back, saying something that you've heard before, believe black women. We had this show today because yet again, black women are here in our state telling their story and no one seems to be listening. At the end of March, Sydney Black, a student at Virginia Commonwealth University, told her story about the 88-year-old Mr. Wilder who set his sights on her. This story is not new to Richmond. This is not new to Virginians. It's not new to black women. I am getting frustrated. I'm getting even more passionate to speak out about the idea that we have to have these conversations and creating these spaces. Nobody else seems to be doing this in Richmond and Virginia, even if we've had these huge headlines all over the nation. Right. There's murmurs on social media here and there, but there have been no spaces created to have these conversations. Right. So what do we do? Well, Black women show up and create the space again. Race Capital is teaming up with Black Pride RVA on April 25th from 6 to 8.30 at the High Point in Scott's Edition to screen the documentary, No. So that's tomorrow, you all. That's tomorrow. No, the rape documentary. This is done by a queer black woman who is a survivor. And this story actually came out in 2006 before the Me Too movement to show again, we've been out here doing this and it's still relevant today because of the silence of the crowd of black women. Because even in our community spaces, black women are being called race traitors for speaking out. I've had so many people in my DMs saying, why are you still pushing this? Don't worry, Chelsea, we got it. Well, it's April, it's a whole a month. Dedicated to sexual assault awareness. Where are we, Richmond? Where are the programs? Where are the headlines? Where are all of the ideas that are coming out to saying we've got to support Black women in these spaces and have the conversations? Well, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to talk about here today with our partners from Black Pride RVA, Lisette Cross, and as well as a local community organizer, Monica Hutchinson, who shares her story. I'm grateful for this platform at WRIR that allows us to freely make this space. I'm grateful for the Black women that are partnering with us to make this space. And I just hope that we continue to move forward and there is some progress, especially with our men of color, Black men, that can show up, listen, learn, and understand better of how to support Black women. And white people, we need to step up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When white women come forward with accusations of rape, they are heard and outcry sparks. What if Christine Blase Ford had been a woman of color? Mm. Mm. The fact that Joe Biden has still the nerve to run after Anita Hill and is all over, I mean, literally on the cover of Time magazine after these ridiculous, inappropriate moves shows that we do not value the Anita Hills of the world. Not to mention laughing about it. Wow. Making jokes. Yes. White men in the media saying, that's not that big of a problem. That He didn't break any laws. 
Well, there have been plenty of time in this America's history where egregious, awful things have happened to black women bodies and it's been legal. I was reading an article today about how, although marital rape is illegal, this was a case study in Minnesota, there are still workarounds. This woman was raped by her husband and mm. he, it was reduced to a misdemeanor charge because there's so many workarounds still. And so yet again, I believe it was a white woman. Mm -hmm. well, and, and that's always the case, right? And it's what stories we hear. What stories create action behind them? Like organizing, showing up at the Capitol, national movements, and which stories just get thrown under the rug? Which stories are saying, we don't want to talk about that. We can't do that. Not to the first governor since Reconstruction, the first black governor. When I know for a fact that there have been many women in Richmond that went to that Wilder school that have the same story. And when I ask them if they're coming forward, they say, I can't trust the public to hear my story without blaming me. Exactly. They hold the blame. We hold the blame. It's going to be, well, what were you doing to invite that? Or why are you trying to drag somebody down? Right. Well, look where you are now, because all of these women are successful women. So they know that they will not be believed that they didn't succumb to his ways. And then it's their fault. And what would what could that do to their career? Right. They have to worry about that. Exactly. It is 2019 and they have to worry about that. Well, here we are today. We are going to keep holding space for this conversation. This will be our second episode, really talking about Black women. This will not be the last. I hope you all stay tuned to these conversations we're about to have, but also to have these conversations offline, right? Have them in your coffee shops, your yoga studios, and with your men and partners, y'all. Yeah, and the journalist in me is going to call out the media right now. Mm. You need to step up because there are women trying to champion this. There there are a handful of women in Richmond like you, Chelsea, who are pushing this, who talk about this on social media, but these stories are not getting picked up. And I would not be at all surprised if this event gets no coverage, no feature. It doesn't make for a nice, feel-good lifestyle story. Yeah, no, no. It, I don't even expect that. But what I will push is for my black community, especially black men, to show up. And I am grateful that there have been a handful of black men that I said, what can I do? I will bring myself, my friends, and we will show up. So I look forward to this conversation tomorrow. But more importantly, to continue this conversation in the future. And I think one of the valuable, I mean, these interviews, y'all, this is, this is, this is good. It's a good one. This is good. This is a great one, y'all. But Monica Hutchinson, who's the mother of three boys, comes on and talks about raising boys to be aware of sexual assault. Yep. And why isn't that part of our regular conditioning? Because we are teaching women how to avoid right. sexual assault. Males are not told, hey, don't rape. Right. We're told, hey, don't be stupid. Don't get raped. Exactly. Oh, man. Well... Here we are again. We'll continue to champion this. And I just want to say thank you to all the women that are coming on, pushing this, to everyone that's going to show up tomorrow. And again, just thank you to Black women that are continuing to push on and to show up, y'all. Thank you for your strength and your honesty.
Welcome, welcome. Today we have two special guest women. We have Reverend Lisette Cross and Monica Hutchinson. Welcome, ladies. Thank Thank you for having us. And we wanted to invite you all on because the work that you are doing in the community directly links to the documentary that's being shown tomorrow night, No, the Rape Documentary. And Rev Lissette, you run Black Pride RVA and actually a co-sponsor of this event with Race Capital. Yes, we are excited to be able to work with Race Capital on this necessary conversation, particularly because the producer of the No documentary is a Black queer woman and has done amazing work in lifting up this conversation for all Black women and for the entire community to include the men as well. So we're excited. That's right. So thank you for Black Pride RVA jumping right on in with Race Capital when we had this crazy idea of we need to have this conversation. And what really sparked this for us here at Race Capital was the idea, yes, we are talking about the accusations and the survivors from the lieutenant governor, Dr. Vanessa Tyson and Meredith Watson. And then after that, an accuser of Doug Wilder, our former governor, as well as the first black governor in the United States since Reconstruction, had a student at the Wilder School come out in a very detailed description about how Wilder basically created himself as a predator to try and have her do some inappropriate things. This is happening right here in Virginia, right here in Richmond. Black women are feeling this, and I just really wanted to create some space to have this conversation for women. So right here on this radio, the platform, as well as in person. So that will be happening at the High Point on April 25th from 6 to 8.30. So Monica and Lisette, let's just kind of dive right on in. Why don't I ask each of you to share with the audience and the listeners who you are and what hats you wear. And Lisette, why don't we go ahead and start with you first? Thanks, Chelsea. I am a woman of many hats in this community that I am very humbled to wear. I am the co-founder of Black Pride RVA, which is the nonprofit Us Giving Richmond Connections. For those listening, Black Pride RVA is Virginia's first ever Black LGBTQ Pride Festival weekend that has um, happened in 2018, and our second year is coming up this year, July 18th to the 21st. I am also the pastor of Restoration Fellowship RVA. I am also the owner of Will You Be Whole, where I talk about sex and faith with Black women and LGBTQ folks for wholeness. I consider myself a community activist and advocate, and can you can find me out in these streets talking about things that matter most of the times. Fortunately, I'm also a 2019 Outstanding Virginia by Quality Virginia. Woo! So amazing. Letting folks know that there are Black women that are on the front lines of not only Black liberation, but also queer liberation and doing this justice work uh, for the good of us all. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm. Let's switch it on over to Miss Monica. Tell the listeners about yourself. I don't know how I can follow up with that, though. Look, both of you all are like monster giants. Don't do Uh, it. Don't do it. You got it. All right. So I'm Monica Hutchinson. I am an organizer by profession. Voter registration, restoration of rights, civic engagement, civic education, issue-based advocacy is where my passion lies, is what I love to do. I am also magisterial district chair for the Fairfield District for Henrico County Dems. I am 
the Fairfield representative for the Special Education Advisory Committee for Henrico County Public Schools. I also belong to Henrico NAACP, and I'm a member of the Political Action Committee there. I am a board member for Indivisible Richmond and also am part of the support core for Move On. Mm. So pretty sure. That's it. Is um, that it? Did you talk about no, your No, it's not. Yeah. You know what? I also, uh, yeah, no, I belong to the Women's March, RVA, mm-hmm. with Chelsea and my fellow amazing women organizers over here. Yeah, no, issue-based advocacy. I am all about empowering those whose power have not been allowed to shine like it should, mm-hmm. whose voices have been silenced. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all about amplifying those voices, mm-hmm. uh, racial equity, yep. not equality equity there's a difference there is a big difference if you don't know i need you to google that and there's a picture chart look at it and you know i really just want to kind of jump in and say that monica has also been a big voice and champion for women as well as pointing out these intersections that may not always be at the top of the talking points in politics, which is really crucial. So I just want to say a big shout out. Thank you to your voice at the ERA with everything that was going on and how important that movement is. But it's also important to recognize what voices are not being valued in that fight. But thank you both to Lisette and Monica for being here. Again, we are here to talk about Sexual Assault Awareness Month here for April. And I really was excited to hear Lisette that you were already familiar with the no rape documentary and I happened to be talking to some other women organizers, really just reading and diving into sexual awareness and some text about it, about uh, liberating practices for sexual assault women and just different ideas around that that aren't so westernized, to be really honest. And I ran across this documentary. Rebecca Keel and I, shout out Rebecca, sat on a Saturday night, rented it, and watched it. And we were just like, we have to bring this to the forefront. And as many times as we can, and with many people as we can. So, And when I reached out to you, you were immediately like, yes, Black Pride RVA will be part of this. I know, I know the film. I've seen it a few times. And yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your familiarity with the documentary. So I initially saw the film with the producer of the film, Aisha Simmons. Mm -hmm. Um, I might mispronounce her name, but that's how I know it. Right. And so that initial viewing of it and conversation, facilitated conversation, really opened my eyes to, and I'll use your language, Chelsea, um, an African-American Afrocentric perspective, right? Looking at that from um, a non-Eurocentric way. Right. And celebrating not only just black women, but um, I really enjoy the fact that the documentary lifts up black men and black men's role in helping to eliminate rape in all of our communities, particularly in the African-American community. I've also seen it at the American Academy of Religion, which is the learned society for all religion scholars across North America. They showed Um, the rape documentary at this. Yes. Yes. Awesome. So theological scholars across disciplines were able to come and watch it and talk about, you know, talk about some of the themes that come up within the Mm -hmm. film. Is that a mixed crowd for that type of White, black, men, women. Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as the whole AAR is a mixed crowd. I mean, of course, when you have multiple things, you can 
pinpoint. So I think the crowd that night was there was mostly brown and black folks. Okay. Um, um, there were definitely some, you know, ally, I call them allies, the other folks, you know, all, all everybody was re- represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, it's primarily black and brown. And then the last time um, I watched it um, was for my own research. So I have a master's of theology and my thesis was on constructing a womanist sexual ethic that takes seriously adult black women survivors Mm -hmm. telling their stories to black girls as a way to build sexual wholeness. Oh, yeah. Sexual wholeness. Yeah. That's another radio show. But I love that you were even introducing that term to young girls, Mm -hmm. right? For the education awareness purposes. Keep talking about your. Got to introduce it to the adults Uh, because we, you know, we. The I'm a survivor as well, and most of us that are survivors that do this work, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I appreciated about the No documentary um, is that, you know, she is also a survivor. And so to also have media that is created and produced by survivors, particularly by survivors that have multiple marginalized identities, mm-hmm. as we like to be told within this Eurocentric context. <laughs> you can edit that out. Um, we gonna keep it, it is, in. Don't edit that. Please don't edit that. <laughs> is, 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 is so much more powerful. And so even though this documentary is, I know, a good 15 years, if not 20 years. It was made in 2006, so 2006, 13 years. So 13 years yep. old, it is still relevant. Oh, it is so relevant. On point. On today. point. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait for this this to come out because it 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 looks like it's 2006, y'all, and that's <laughs> fine. But literally, the stories, the academia that comes in support of this, the justice conversation, this could have been made in the 2017-18 Me Too movement. So this even points out right that Black queer women, Black women, we've been talking about this before. It was a hashtag, and I when I saw the year, that was just something that got my heart round and going because it just shows that black women have been speaking. Right. Right. Absolutely. Lisette, what were some of the themes that really stuck with you from seeing the film that you would want people to walk in expecting? You mentioned lifting up black men and their role in this, right? Yes. What else that really stuck with you that if you had to say you you need to see this film because? One, because I believe in the power of one's courage to break the silence to encourage someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. So many of us are walking around as survivors and never telling our stories. Wow. And the power of this documentary is the vulnerability of the women who share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other reason that I would say you have to come see this documentary is the amazing way in which she uses arts and poetry to connect with the process of healing. And as somebody who is like, I'm very highly intellectual and I'm analyzing things, it it often takes the arts to kind of loosen me up and really kind of be open to the way that, and I'm going to use the word spirit, but just open to the way that spirit or the ancestors really kind of, um, really kind of pull us to a place of breaking our silence. And I think that any of us that are interested in breaking our own silence, if we're interested in ushering others to that point of sharing their story and breaking that silence to do that, 
this is the film to watch mm. and to watch it in community. Right. And right. to watch it with a facilitated conversation, right? Which I'm grateful to be the facilitator of. Yep. So the set is will be there that evening, not just as Black Pride sponsor, but also to help guide the brief facilitation that happens after the doc. And part of my work, and if you've been following what I've been doing, and just really the theme of Richmond and having these Black conversation is there is usually an intentional dialogue after to have that space so we don't have to have it in the parking lot, right? Right. Because <laughs> we know that's where it goes down. Because we would, right? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, just really, I'm, I'm really excited to have your expertise and have someone that has seen it and been in different rooms, experience this film, creating that space with us. So because both of these women are boss, we are going to have Lisette Cross leave us a little early. But before she leaves, we're going to do our favorite segment here, which is... What's your privilege? What's your privilege is a chance where we invite our guests to talk about what is your privilege in this world that you benefit from and how do you use that to push forward the progress in your own community, right? As you said, getting high, Monica's like hype. So who's going to go first? What is your privilege? Okay, so this is Monica. So I would have to definitely say that my privilege is going to be, uh, one of my privileges would have to be a very strong family support system, um, strong from grandparents on down. Um, I have been very lucky, very blessed to have that in my life from my grandfather that taught me from the very beginning. You know, if you don't know your rights, you'll never know when they're being threatened. Mm. My grandfather was the first feminist that I have ever known in my entire life. Mm. Um, So the fact that I have that support system, I have an amazing husband that supports me, that is there for me for the good days, for the bad days to let me just vent, let it out. He's there with the boys so I can be out here doing what I have to do to help empower the community. Mm -hmm. My mother, my grandmother, my sisters, my brother, his wife, we all are in this together. Mm -hmm. So whether it's my kids going to my mother's house for the weekend, Mm -hmm. um, you know, knowing that my boys are okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, My boys tell me all the time, they're like, You know, when I start feeling guilty about not spending as much time with them, uh, my 16-year-old said, Mommy, you are needed more right now Mm. out there. We need you to go out and continue fighting. Mm. And that meant the world to me to know that I've instilled that in them. They understand what's going on and that I know my family has my back. So that strong family support system just allows me to continue fighting the fight. That is a privilege to have that and. In a generational way mm-hmm. as well, not just your current setup, mm-hmm. but your grandfather being the first feminist you ever had interactions with is powerful, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's a big reason why we invite the men in these conversations mm-hmm. and make sure they're part of these conversations because they could be influencing those young girls in the room. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Reverend Cross, what is your privilege? I love this question. <laughs> I love it because when you are doing activist work, when you are in these streets, when you're helping people raise their voice and realize we are very quick to criticize white privilege and we Mm -hmm. talk about it so much. And I'm not, you know, not giving nobody a pass for white privilege. Mm -hmm. I'm also raising up that my privilege, I have educational privilege. Yep. And I have in the LGBTQ community, I have passing privilege. Talk about that. 
So for the listeners, passing privilege means that when someone looks at me, they cannot tell if I am LGBTQ in any kind of way, mm-hmm. right? I am just a regular old black woman <laughs> who just happens to have purple locks, you know, like that's just that, and who talks a lot, you know, like, um, and so the privilege to be able to navigate spaces where people are unsure of my sexual orientation and my connection to the community is a major privilege right. that I do not take for granted. And I appreciate the opportunity to name it in a very clear and concise way because it does matter. Mm-hmm. And my education, right? Some of the way that I speak is a natural gift, and we say thank you, Jesus, for that. But I also have multiple degrees um, and getting a doctorate. So to be able to navigate within academia um, as well as to be able to be with the people and 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 make those connections mm-hmm. is because of my educational privilege. And my last one is um, very much so rooted in us living in the seat of the Confederacy. I have fat femme privilege. Mm. When I show up in spaces, I am not as intimidating because I am very voluptuous for the uh, listeners that can't see me. (laughs) Um, And what I've realized is that I, my embodiment looks like the, the mammy stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. And it oftentimes neutralizes the fear. Yep. Until I open my mouth, of course. <laughs> but in, it does something in this Southern space, uniquely in this Southern space, that I it has taken me a while to accept. And I love my body. I'm not, like, I'm no shame. I love who I am, and I love how I show up in the world. But bringing forth Black Pride RVA, mm-hmm. right, and having conversations about race in this area, mm-hmm. like showing up in a fat Black female body, it's like, oh, she gonna come take care of me. Mm-hmm. Until then, I called them on their privilege, and they like, oh, Jesus. Well, that <laughs> don't it don't work for me. So what's going on? I don't okay. know. <laughs> but I uh, and having witnessed you, the set, it's it's also your the the way that you are able to speak, right? It's not just your academic flow that comes there. It's also the the pastor in you that- A calming cre- presence. It is. Today's my first day meeting you, and it is a very, very calming. I mean, she had to tell me to open my mouth. Like, you have no idea. Like, for real. It's like very, I don't know. Yeah. It's You put the room at ease. And I've witnessed Lisette do this in rooms. Right. I've witnessed the tension in the room. We about to have a whole new civil war. Whites <laughs> on one side, colors on the other. Right. I have been in those rooms thinking we were to start a revolution. And I've been so thankful for your presence because you can wrap them up, yank them by the neck collar. And they have no idea even what's happening because they're just like, yes, I will. I will follow you and listen. <laughs> it, it's amazing. I got some spaces I need you to come to. No, you really do. It's and, a gift. And, and, and And fortunately, unfortunately, that's why your hats are piling up on your head, right? Because of the privilege that you have and how you are able to bring those in spaces, you've 
you've created that space and that need and as well as just that dialogue flow. And that was something that came together because of many different things that now encompass that one person of you, but also why so many other black women, we need to be out here mentoring and showing and creating a pipeline. I was just talking yesterday and I'll, I'll go ahead and start talking about my privilege with this as well, is that I have the, the privilege to be doing this work and be free and open and comfortable about talking about sexual awareness, uh, sexual assault awareness. My mother taught me from a very young age of what was inappropriate touching because she is a survivor herself of family members. Um, so my privilege is having that education early. Um, and it, it speaks to a lot of what your work was and talking to young girls of color about that. So just also talking about how do we train and and guide? I don't know if they need training so much. It's just kind of like where should where do you fit and where is your space, right? So that you can have your mouth, have your voice gone and heard. Finding the somebody, someone said like, who's the up and coming Chelsea, right? It's not me, but I, I would love to find that person and be able to stick them in in places and be like, I can't be there, but I need you there, right? Um, and finding those, but we're also so busy filling the spaces, right? Pay us. Woo! Right? She <laughs> just needs some money. Yeah. Yeah. People it have no idea. None. No idea. Yeah. So that's a privilege too that we get to do this work and a lot of it is for free. Yeah. Right. And we still pay our more our than y'all think. Whoever's listening, it's more free than you think. Right. Come on. It, it might even Hopefully, and we often do it and don't complain either. Oh. You know what I mean? Like we don't even quite like we we just we're, you ask a question, I'm gonna give you the answer. You need my help, I'm gonna be there because it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about the community and empowering others. Mm. And if you're in it for the right reasons, then money should never be the deciding factor on whether you choose to do something or not. But a lot. But of we times, still need money. But we still need money, and that that pocketbook strain will keep a lot of black women mm -hmm. out of the movement, right? And I understand that too because I had to train myself to start asking, "Is there a budget with this?" Right. Like it, when people ask me, I was so used to being, "Yes, of course, I love this is my, this is part of my wheelhouse." I had to stop and just start putting that, even if I know I'm gonna do it for free. By the way, I'm not doing nothing else for free. If anyone's listening, mm -hmm. I'm I'm charging everybody now. But um, is I'm sorry, y'all. But for real, it was my own habit and i'm teaching other activists to say this when anybody asks you anything always ask is there a budget attached to this that's your first question but that is a privilege and Lisette, you also hit on a, a privilege that i also have is this passing lgbt people don't even understand that my sexual preference has nothing to do with genital parts mm -hmm. that i can flow fluid i think humans are beautiful and sexy and just because you see me married and i have a whole kid doesn't tell you who i'm going to fall in love with or who's in my bed right so uh, but people, or should it matter? It, it shouldn't. Hello. Um, and, and that's a privilege that I, I struggle with sometimes. But I just want to say thank you for lifting that up. Mm -hmm. um, and thank you for talking about this. I know you have to go. Thank you so much. Thank and you. that just means that you're going to have to come back on the show yes. and talk more about this. But I, we need to, uh, Yeah, because as a mother of a teenage son who is openly gay, uh, he would be 16 to 24. I say 16 because he would be 16 to 24. I appreciate you more than you know as a mother just because of the fact that I know that there is that support system for so many children, you know, privilege, you know, tell my kids, use whatever privilege you have to advocate for others. Mm. And 
you know, talking about privilege, I tell my son all the time that's his privilege is having a family that has been yes. supportive. Yes, yes. Eleven. Yes. And we had this conversation. He came out. And even my husband, who's an alpha male, my husband's learning and on a journey and he's willing to learn and sitting down to better understand and break those social norms that were taught to him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Jay, that is privilege that you don't understand. Yes. yes. I love the fact that you do this and you're there for mm-hmm. those that don't have that privilege. So thank you. So I'm going to take care of you and say goodbye so you can go continue to do your goodbye. work and show up. Thank you so much, thank Pastor you. Lissette Cross, and we will see you tomorrow at the film, The High Point, 6 p.m. Isn't she amazing? She is amazing. Right? And that's, people are really starting to recognize her power and her and her ability to create those messages to come across. I love that you brought out the journey with your son and your family and the idea that people are hearing these connections and these need for spaces like Black Pride RVA, right? Because we've got black youth out here that need a space. I know Side by Side has a night, I think it's Tuesday night, that's open for black youth. But how beautiful that there is a whole program, a whole platform just for black LGBTQ youth. People have no idea just how hard it is for black youth, even those who may have come out to even be comfortable enough in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is hard. It is yeah. really hard because black culture does not accept it as a whole. And that is a whole nother conversation yeah. that we have to have. And it, but it really still goes with this conversation, mm-hmm. right, about sexual assault awareness because we're talking about sexuality. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't talking about sexuality, what we're feeling, then we're leaving our youth open to these mm-hmm predators whether our youth are 16 or they're 22 right you don't just all of a sudden hit 18 and understand what the world is all about and if we're not having these conversations then it creates the strain the case it creates a, a silence mm-hmm. i'd love to hear a little bit more about your own experience around sexual assault mm-hmm. so i am a survivor i was 18 years old Uh, I was 18 when I was raped, and I am the oldest of four kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, My brother is seven years behind me. My oldest sister is eight behind me, and the youngest is 13 years behind me. And I'll never forget, it was the summer after we graduated high school, right before everybody started going away to college. Uh, I knew I was not going away to college because my mother was a single mother, and I wanted to stay back and help her raise my siblings. Mm -hmm. So I turned down scholarships, made the decision to stay go to community college I do not regret that decision at all mm-hmm. and once again we are a very strong family uh it was never anything asked of me it was something that I felt compelled to do to be there and so yeah you know it was somebody who was a really close friend of mine called and was over somebody's house and was like hey I'm over here with so-and-so can his can his friend come over mm-hmm. I'm like for what like, why his friend need to come to my house, mm-hmm. right? But it was like, oh, just, you know, an hour or two. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, you, you know, something's going on. I really don't want to know. Don't care at this point. I'm like, that's fine, right? I'm sitting. It's a Saturday. I'm legit in my, in my house. Basketball shorts, T-shirt, watching TV. My siblings are home. Nothing, right? Just regular day. So, yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, he came over for like an hour. Sat down and watched a movie. I don't know. It was like a comedy or something. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like an afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, my friend called and said that, you know, he can come back. And I was like, okay, cool. 
he walks to the front door and without any kind of, I don't know, there was no warning. There was, there was nothing like there was nothing the entire time Mm -hmm. that would make somebody think that anything like that was going to happen. Um, there was just no way, you know what I mean? To think that I wanted something like that to happen. Right. So, you know, walking somebody to the door and instead of walking out the door, shuts the door, literally throws me on the floor and just rapes me. Wow. And I could not make a sound because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want my siblings to see this. Right. Because they're home. Right. I don't want to have them see this because, first of all, you know, my brother, you know, I was 18, so my brother was 11. Mm-hmm. Um. He wasn't going to let that, like, you know, if he saw that, he, he would have definitely responded. Um, so even in that moment, you're, you're thinking out protecting mm-hmm. your siblings. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, I, I can't, I can't, you know, it's one of those, you know, you, you, you think about disconnecting and you hear people say that. And it was a true moment of like disconnect right? of, of uh, your mind leaving your body and ignoring what's happening and just focused and just please don't come out. Please don't come out. Please don't come out. Um, and when it was over, he got up and left without another word. Mm. And it was just like, you know, it, it was just me sitting on the floor trying to figure out, like, what, what did I do? Right. That's the first thing. Like, what did I do? Wow. You know, was it because I'm in basketball shorts? Like, mm-hmm. is it because I let you come over? Like, what did I do to make you think that that was okay? Was it ever in your mind or maybe reflecting looking back of possibly another reason why you didn't call for help is because it might be asked of that same question might be asked of you like what did you do mm-hmm. Yeah. no absolutely i mean i'm 38 so you know we're talking i'm 18 years old that was 20 years ago yeah right like 1998 that's a long time ago yeah so i mean 98 yeah people weren't talking about this Mm-mm. this wasn't a space Mm-mm. Nope. It was still very much the victim's fault. Mm. You know, what were you wearing? What were you doing? And you knew, right? Like, even without somebody telling you, you immediately felt shamed. Yeah. You know, it was, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And looking back, I find that interesting that without even telling another living soul, my mind immediately went to, what did I do wrong? Right. Um, instead of realizing that I did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And... That tells me how the culture has been, how the culture still is. Yeah. Yeah. And like what, how we're raised, right? Because right. at 18 mm-hmm. years old, if that's embedded in your mind, mm-hmm. we've been socialized to think that yep. way, to question ourselves, to say, oh my goodness, someone's going to call me fast, right? right? Especially young yep. black girls. Yep. We fast and hot in the pants, hot like hot t- Right. Absolutely. Hot oh, in the tail. Right. Like, yeah. Like, you know, oh, she's smelling herself. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, and what hurt me, I, I think what hurt me more than the actual rape itself was the fact that when my friend came, who, you know, we've known each other for years, um, you know, supposedly my best friend, when I told her what happened, she was like, she got angry with me. She was like, why would he do that to you? Mm. You know, I mean, here's this guy who's, you know, popular, you know, everybody, you know, I don't, it's like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but this is what happened. Mm. And it was like, well, why would he do that to you? Like, he doesn't need to rape anybody. And so I'm like, if my best friend doesn't believe me, right, then no one will believe me, right? Exactly. Um, and, and that was a, a 
another girl, another woman. Mm-hmm. Was it a woman of color? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even black women aren't believing black women. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Because we've been programmed that, you know, when you have this popular guy, like, you know, it's almost as if we put this um, value on a on a guy. The more women who want him, mm. the more valuable he is, right? <laughs> and then if I'm with him, even if just for a moment, I'm supposed to feel like I'm special, right? Because like right. he picked me, when he could have had everyone, everyone else. And you know, even like I said, 20 years ago at 18, not even understanding all the dynamics at play, I knew I didn't feel special. Mm. I knew this wasn't about this is somebody that likes me or wants to be with me. Right. Like that is, is not like, even before you start looking and trying to figure out how to heal and you learn, it's not about sex. It's about power. Right. Right. Exactly. Everything's already is in your mind. Anyway, you're like, this wasn't about attraction or love. Right. Or I need some. Right. That's not what this is about. And you know, the, the more, the more I, I look back and I think about things and, you know, I've, I've gone through the healing process, it became more of a, um, you know, me just trying to understand it. It was, yeah, this is a guy that everybody wants and he's used to having females throw themselves at him. And I did none of that. Right. You know, so, you know, it's, did I bruise your ego? Because I didn't, because I ignored you. I didn't behave in that typical manner that you expect every female to behave in. Right. You know. You didn't, you weren't giving it up, so he was going to take it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. So How, as a mother, number one, Mm -hmm. when, well, let me ask before we get to Mm -hmm. the dynamic with your boys, how long did it take you to share your story openly? So me and my husband have been married for 12 years, and we've been together for 13. Mm-hmm. My husband was, besides my uh, ex-friend, she went away to college and I'm, I was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but my husband was the first person I told. So that was 13 years ago. Uh, you know, and didn't tell anybody else. Um, carried that shame, actually. And last year... When the Kavanaugh mm-hmm. confirmation hearings were going on, yep, and I never forget it was like one day I was I got gas at Wawa and I just sat in the parking lot, and for whatever reason, tears literally started streaming down my face, mm-hmm. and I didn't know why, right? Like, I mean, after twenty years of me pushing it down and ignoring it and all of this, right? Here it is. And it wasn't just me, it was other women and hearing other women, um, you know, say me too, right? Mm. Like, you're not alone. That was huge for me. Mm-hmm. And I just started typing on Facebook and I did. And so the first time that anyone other than my husband, mm-hmm. uh, including my family, was um, last year. Mm-hmm. was when I posted on Facebook and I did. I I'd let my mother and my siblings know we are in a um, family chat room. We talk several times a day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just so you know, there's something up that, you know, but I want you to know I'm okay. When you read it, know I am okay. I am in a really good place. I don't want you to be hurt, angry, sad. I want you to know that I'm okay and you can be okay because the love and strength that I get from our bond allowed me to heal right right what about 
using that strength and that power, how is that fed into how are you raising your boys, right? And mm-hmm. I don't want to, black women are always painted as so strong, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, yes, we are. But at the same time, this type of strength is exhausting. And I, I just want to put that out yeah, there. Yep. And you are always strong, especially front facing. We were talking a little bit earlier about just uh, posturing and demeanor. And you posted a really insightful post the other night about just your stature mm-hmm. and your height that could come off as more intimidating to a lot of rooms. And maybe that is the difference between you and Lisette. Lisette is a little vertically <laughs> challenged in that way. We love you, girl. But just how I just wanted to put that caveat on the strength piece, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. how has that strength fed into you and your mothering? So being the mother of three boys isn't easy at all anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, being the mother of three boys during this time is even more difficult mm-hmm. because you have to have those conversations. And so I knew even because of my experience, I never wanted my children to ever make anyone else feel the way I felt. Right. And I also know that, you know, I never used that whole boys would be boys. Right. That was never used in my house. Mm-hmm. You know, nope, there's no such thing as boys would be boys, right? Like right. my boys are held to the same standards. They, they will be held accountable for their actions. Yep. Accountability should be probably painted on my wall. <laughs> Even my son that's on the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, he's 12, high functioning, but on the spectrum. One thing in my house, and sometimes people think is weird or odd, is... When he wants to give me a good night hug or whatever, it's up. Did you ask mommy first? Mm. You know, maybe mommy doesn't want a hug right now. Wow. You know, so I need you to ask mommy, you know, mommy, I'm ready to go to bed. Can I have a good night hug? I need you to understand that just because I'm your mom doesn't mean that you get to touch me either. Right. Right. And I know that sounds odd, but if I can get him to understand that with me as his mother. Yeah. Then I know that he will also understand that just in general, right? right? Like you don't touch people without their permission. Right. Also about just the boundaries with family members that may right. appear safe. Yeah. Uh, and no one has a right to touch you. Right. And if you don't want somebody in your space, you have every right to say so. Like, you know, you're in my space. Don't touch me. I don't have to hug you. I don't believe in kiss so-and-so. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. So, just getting my my boys to understand others' personal space yep. and also realizing that they are valuable and they are in control of their space as well. Right. Yeah. Sometimes they'll turn that around and they're like, you're in my personal space, so. <laughs> I mean, you taught I, them well. Yeah, I need you to back up now. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, no. Well, to... I'd really also like to give you a chance if you want to say anything mm-hmm. to survivors out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you recently, it's been within a year mm-hmm. that you became public. Mm-hmm. I remember the post. I remember you talking about your siblings being like, what? And, you know, the protective brothers mm-hmm. that come out. But maybe some words of affirmation for the women that haven't shared their stories or are still thinking about if they will share their stories continually to relive that trauma? Just how in the world do you manage this? So I will say, even 20 years later, even though due to the love and support of my family and those that knew and those that didn't know about what was going on, it can still get hard and triggering at times, right? But just let everybody know that everyone is different. Mm -hmm. the way that 
I share doesn't have to be the way that you share. Right. Right. You know, you don't you don't have to apologize or feel guilty for feeling a certain way or not feeling a certain way for saying a certain thing or not saying a certain thing. Right. Like there's there's no rules that say you have to all be the same or get everything. You know, that's not how it works. Right. The mind is a it's it's a tricky place. Mm -hmm. And the word rape is somehow become tricky in our society. And that's something that the no documentary does really well is uplifting what rape is. Mm -hmm. We minimize the word rape many times and somehow our society has also been able to shake off oh that wasn't rape that Mm -hmm. was something else right right right. and if you could just speak to you as a black woman how do you hope that these stories empower other black women so for me i hope it encourages others to come to come forward and just and just understand that you know we create that space right like we don't always have to wait for others to create that space for us you know let's create it for each other let's create it for ourselves yeah we need to own we need to own that space and we have the right to make demands of what we will accept and won't accept right like don't don't come in our space with that crap like don't come you know and it's it's just simply whether you you need to share you need to listen you need to learn it's okay and as well share your stories share if you are comfortable sharing because we need more men to hear those stories right we need like i said as a mother of three boys i know we've talked about this that as a black woman as a survivor and also the mother of three boys those three things are not always in agreement it seems not in this country, um, not no, in this world, really. Yeah. No, it is, you know, some days, I mean, I am still confused about some things, uh, unsure of how to advance and go. So but do you just follow your gut in those moments? I do. I do. And then a lot of times I do discuss them in certain certain times with family, with, you know, especially my oldest son. We're very open and honest about some things mm-hmm. um, and my husband and others. Right. And just sometimes sitting back and, you know, that peace be still. Yep. You know, sometimes you just need to sit back, be quiet and just listen. Mm, Yeah. And that actually gives me strength. Like, I mean, I've told you, you know, there's times when me and you may not even see eye to eye, but I'm like, I appreciate the fact that you are in that space at that time. But I learned from you. Right. Like I learned from you being able to be there and and you, you do such an amazing job of being so supportive to others that me watching you and understanding and listening to you and i'm like you know what i got it i can do this but yeah no yeah and thank you for saying that because i i think we do that for each other right i mean no one is ever going to see eye to eye all the time somebody lying if they if they say they are right and so the idea that we can always find strength and power within each other and our stories and you said something very profound of it's just time to sit and listen and that's really what this space tomorrow at the high point Mm -hmm. is doing is creating a space to sit to listen to the documentary and also to listen to the room and so that you can be better prepared and equipped to continue to listen to these stories in the community of black women that are sharing their stories specifically even after the month of sexual assault awareness month is over right well monica i'm really appreciative for you coming here sharing your story being so open and vulnerable with us um, showing more of your strength but just also showing how much strength we have to have just to wake up every day Mm -hmm. and keep going so thank you so much thank you for having me absolutely i just want to say to everybody please talk to one another 
and talk to your significant other. Please confide in somebody. Don't hold this in. Do not let this eat you up any more than it already has. Thanks so much, Mon. transformation women can have by just opening up and hearing other stories like what Monica said she said that she had been holding on to that for 19 years and hearing the stories that were coming out around Kavanaugh allowed her to speak openly it allowed her to hear something that she said someone needs to hear this and that power of listening to one another it doesn't have to be something we connect with directly, but we can pull from that power and hear ourselves and hear a new way of speaking to ourselves by hearing these other stories. I think the power of listening is used a lot with allies, right? Like just come to the room, listen, you'll learn, you'll grow that way. Well, we can do that as black women as well. And then listening and opening up in different spaces. Like Lissette talking about faith spaces and having a group of theologians talking about this is huge. I was grateful to get the message from Pastor Tyrone Nelson, who said, we've shown this doc in our church before. It's a black church. So just the intentionality of where these conversations have to be and have to continue. It gets me going. It, it gets me hype to know that we have so much work to do and that folks are ready to tap in. But it also makes me worried about the strength it's going to take because all of these stories are re-traumatizing. We are reliving these stories for the greater good at the risk of being shot down by people that look like us. But I'm grateful for the women that came on the show today to talk about their work to be vulnerable and say that they too are survivors. I'm grateful that the high point immediately said, yes, come in this space, take over this space, to know the importance of that. I'm grateful to be a part of a community with black LGBTQ folks that will be open and join me on this. And I'm again, I'm thankful for this platform that we can create our own media since the mainstream is trash, right? <laughs> like that's the importance of independent media to fill the gaps of the patriarchal messages that aren't making it to our smartphones and our news feeds. That is just important. So here we are again, another week of race capital telling the truths. I want to definitely intentionally say survivors, you are worth more than society allows you to feel. Your voice and your stories will save us. Whenever you are ready, tell your story. But no, even if it never comes out publicly, you matter. We believe in you. We believe you. And to all the young girls that are questioning themselves or telling themselves about shame in their head, please know to switch that self-talk and say, this is not your fault. This is the man. This is the person. This is that power of our society that's taken over the minds and brainwashed us. So let's come together as a community to talk. I know that Race Capital will be at the high point tomorrow at 6 p.m. So we'll see who shows up. 
But I'm really excited to have this conversation and see what we can do with the power of our voices. I'm from the R, the I, the C, the H, the M, the O, the N, the D. That's my Oh,